So if there's, if there's one thing to take away today um, from that reading, I invite you to consider where you think an inheritance is owed to you, where something that is owed to you has not come to you, and it keeps you from living your life to its fullness right now. So a church leader of a different tradition, not ours, um, posted on Twitter not too long ago that when he left the church that he had founded, gone on to do, went on to do a great other thing, um, posted, I think in his own sadness that he was leaving and the stress of the community he was leaving, posts on Twitter, God bless him, that, you know, none of the churches that Paul founded are still around. Churches come and go. People got to keep moving. Right, I hear the laughter. In response, people posted on Twitter pictures of Eastern Orthodox bishops, men with long beards and tall hats, the current bishops of Corinth and Thessaloniki. We read about Colossae today, which is in modern-day Turkey, places where there are absolutely Orthodox churches in the lineage of Paul. So I tell this joke, one, because it entertains me, but also because we remembered today the bearded men in tall hats with great affection because the Lambeth Conference is meeting in Canterbury in England. <laughs> Lambeth is the once every decade or so meeting of the bishops of the Anglican Communion. For those that are new to that, it's worth a Google. It's very interesting. Um, all the ones that can get there, get there. I think the count is something like 670 at this conference. It is meant to be a time of prayer and deliberation, a lot of relationship building. That can mean that we have specific links around the communion, which is a great gift to us. Basically, our bishops meet each other, spend time together, and pray for the church as a whole, help us to imagine who we should be as a worldwide body. People like me get to be part of this church because of the Anglican Communion. My parents are from churches in India that also would say they are descendants of the churches of Paul. They're a part of the Anglican Communion, which made the Episcopal Church the church, our church, when we came to this country. And I know that's true for many of you in this room as well. And unlike that poor pastor on Twitter, we can know that church is not simply the gathering of a particular set of people in a particular time and place that will pass, although we are, of course, that as well. We are also, in some mystical way, in communion with communities around the world in very different circumstances than ours because through a somewhat similar liturgy, on those occasions that we do receive communion, we do, which we, and we do, which is what, is what it means to be communion, we do things in common. We take communion together is what it means to be in communion. So besides that, we are a very diverse group. And I remember a book of prayers and songs that some of you might remember called Lambeth Praise. Anyone remember that? We used to use those in churches. Um, and they were put out after Lambeth conferences, printed, spiral-bound, so that you could use them um, as you put together worship services and get hints 
of what the church was doing around the world, the great variety of it. And it was quite a broad variety from quite evangelical, charismatic, um, hymnals well before the one we currently have, and a lot of really creative local music, things we would have never heard otherwise. And in my experience as a young adult, it, we would use it to kind of spice up our Sunday morning services. It was beautiful to see the people in our congregation from Nigeria and Jamaica and Trinidad and Ecuador represented in our worship and in our communion. Lambeth Praise was probably the first time I ever thought about what Lambeth was and how diverse it might be. I learned later that it was founded to settle a controversy in the early 1900s about how the Bishop of Natal in Southern Africa was dealing with men who had converted to the church but had multiple wives. Inheritance was the issue. Interesting. The then few bishops who served in the British Empire outside of England were eventually invited back to come to Lambeth Palace to talk about it. It didn't go very well, and it has been ever thus, right? <laughs> For the last few Lambeth conferences, issues that we all know about, right? Women's ordination, women bishops, um, LGBTQIA plus people have been on the agenda. And it has been a while since I have seen an updated copy of Lambeth and Praise, Lambeth Praise, and not for look, not looking. And I'm guessing it was probably one of the best things that came out of Lambeth. In the reading today, Jesus is addressed by a young person who says, Lord, make my brother give me my share. Sounds a little bit like coming to the Lambeth Conference, doesn't it? A young man comes to Jesus to ask, all I want is my share, that I may get on with living my life. Jesus seems to respond, but friend, the world is on fire. That must be a little bit of what it feels like at Lambeth right now. Important conversations, really important ones, about inclusion, right next to agenda items on climate change, evangelism, war. How do we even discuss them all with the same mouths, think about them with the same brains? We are so small. The churches of Paul aren't still around, are they? Well, yes, they are in places that now struggle with enormous conflict, at the heart of the conflicts of the day, are old men and women sitting in often ornate buildings, chanting ancient prayers, and putting out their hands or lifting their open mouths for a mash of unleavened bread and sweet wine, the body and blood of our Lord, a taste of eternal life, the Christ life in us, communion. This is our inheritance as well, you and I, a faith that runs through our bodies like blood in the veins, enlivening us so regularly, so consistently that we might even forget about it. We might even think to complain about it or ring, wrestle with why it changes. But it is ours, O oh soul, you might say. O oh soul, we have what we need. Why is he going on about the rest of life? Because Jesus always goes on about the rest of life. After you have put away your sheaves of wheat and counted up your cattle, your life is no more guaranteed to you than the family waiting at the ICU across the street. And so we gather here to recall what matters most in the sturdy and flexible frame of generations that have come before us, our inheritance. 
Now, Jesus spends plenty of time talking about inheritance, and the Bible does too. It is a place of justice-making in families and communities. The eldest son gets a double share, but other sons get a share as well. You can go back to Deuteronomy and look that up. And if a family grabs up too much land in a short time, if there is an imbalance, if the family is not treating itself fairly, there are always ways to set that right, detailed in Deuteronomy. Fairness, possibilities for everyone, right there in the text. Not so much for women, but that changes over time. But in today's reading, something else is going on. The world is literally collapsing around them, and Jesus speaks to it. As in Hosea, the prophet, with his strange family of doom that we heard about last week, the people will be defeated and taken away back to exile. The world is ending, Hosea is saying, and Jesus is hinting at. And it is, as the prophets always, always shout, that it is because you are not just in the land, because you do not worship me, God says, which is to follow God's law as well as to offer to God sacrifice. Jesus, God says in Hosea, Hosea says, God says, you are following the ways of your neighbors. It makes you wonder what the ways of the neighbors might be today that we should think about. It can't just be that we should be tisk-tisking the past, right? The ways of the world that we are supposed to watch for. In thinking about the stress of a Lambeth conference, I wonder if one of the ways in which we are led away from God is to use the language of the world around us, the language of our neighbors. That language set up for us by social media and algorithms, by false news that target us, by entertainment, by media inviting us to click, doing everything it can do to get us to click. I wonder if accepting the framework of those that come to us with agendas of division and profit isn't today's version of following Baal. I mean, who's not going to at least be neutral about Baal? Baal's the guy who provides the rain. Baal literally makes it rain. Seems risky to speak against that guy, because our guy is a little volatile if you've been reading your Hebrew scriptures recently. In Hosea, that raging God is brought down to the ground as a tender new parent. Have a look at that beginning part again. A God who teaches Ephraim to walk, which you can stay after the service and watch people do that with their kids. It usually means an extended finger down there covered by a whole little fist, a little sticky one usually. Sometimes just a gentle hovering right behind as that one goes toddling off the one that holds you like you might hold a baby up to your cheek, it says in Hosea, is our God, that leans down to feed you with a plastic spoon or a bottle or a breast, is how Hosea describes God with God's people. So close, so tender. It is this tender God, a parenting God, like a mother or a father, that Jesus invites us to recall today. Do not make me your judge, he says. I wish someone at Lambeth would say the same. But let us care for one another in love. For when we are gathered together, there is no Nigerian or Chinese, no Peruvian or Canadian, no male or female or gay or straight or slave or free or Scythian or barbarian or black or brown or white. But children, 
in the care of a loving God. The world is ending in many ways. I bet the bishops are talking about it. Parts of our communion will be underwater, literally, in the coming decades. Poverty and disease and war are the daily companions of some of our siblings in Christ, the end result of economies that have often benefited us here. Grim, serious conversation is being had. So I ask your prayers for our beautiful and tender communion. I hope they don't make the news, but if they do, remember, we are all on a journey to communion, every one of us, and no one can take that from you or from us. So come to this table, not because you must, but because you may. Not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Come not because of any goodness of your own giving you a right to come, but because you need mercy and help. Come because you love God a little and would like to love God more. Come because Jesus loved you and gave himself for you. Come and meet the risen Christ, for we are his body.